Welcome to the podcast for Refuge City Church. We hope that the message today blesses you and inspires you to be a refuge that embraces others. I'd like you, if you would, to turn to 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. Today, today there's a title to this message. The, uh, the actual title isn't the title that you're going to see. The, the title to this message that you're going to see is, I fought a good fight. I fought a good fight. But the actual title to this message is a tribute to Pastor Pat Winningham. And I, I think, without a doubt, one of the most powerful and profound things. First of all, I just wanted to say how much I love you, Pastor Pat. And I want to say how much I love your family being here to honor you today. Let's give her family a hand today. Her sons and daughters, love you guys. Thank you. Thank you. And their spouses, thank you guys for coming to honor your mom and, and mother-in-law and grandma and, and whatever else she is to you. She's all those things to us as well. And thank you. Thank you for these years of sharing your mom with us. She is a patriarch of blessing and when you read scripture, when you read scripture, how many of you, when you read scripture, especially when you read about um, characters in the Bible, some of them you can relate to and some of them you don't want to be like at all? Can I hear an amen about Judas Iscariot? None of us want to be there. Can I hear an amen? But when you, when you read portions of scripture and when you read certain spots in scripture, you think of, of possibly even relating yourself to those individuals, those characters within the Bible or a statement within the Bible. How many of you have a life verse? Raise your hand if you have a life verse in Scripture. This is my life verse. If somebody was to walk up and say, what is your favorite verse or your life verse in Scripture, you would quote that verse. You would say, this, this is my verse. If you don't have one, I'd urge you to start praying about that. Everyone needs a life verse, something that God gives them personally that says, this is between you and me out of your word. And hold to it, hold to it, hold on to it, memorize it. And this, these portions of Scripture in Second Timothy were an instruction to Timothy, and they're the final. Paul is retiring. He's he's uh, he's. This is one of the last letters that the Apostle Paul ever writes, and if not the last letter that he ever writes. And he writes it to Timothy, his protege, and he writes it with um, faithfulness and hope. And he writes it with agenda, and he writes it with absolution attached to it. There's absolution here. And there's a spot in this portion of Scripture, which is the title that he's making as a declaration to Timothy, to spur Timothy on. To spur Timothy on because he's basically handing the baton. He's handing the ministry. He's handing the mantle. Timothy is going to take over for Paul where Paul is no longer going to be available. And we're going to read what he says to his amazing assistant, Pastor Timothy, in verse 5, chapter 4 of Second Timothy, verse 5. But you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions. How many, how many know that that's a powerful portion of Scripture? Paul's saying be watchful. And second of all, we, we understand what he says with this. But how many of you know, many of us bought into the Christian faith thinking everything would be hunky-dory and wonderful and the clouds would part in our life and the sun would always be shining and we'd never have another trial, tribulation, or conflict. Everybody say, eh, survey said, how many have found out that there's a few afflictions? That stuff's going to happen, that life's going to take place, that things, unexpected things that, that you weren't counting on all of a sudden came about. And so this is kind of a, not only a warning and a declaration, but it's, it's a statement. Endure afflictions. He says endure them. Do the work of, of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Pastor Pat, you have done that well. You have done that well. He says this, and I think it's so sweet, but it's also so profound from a man as intense as Paul. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. 
Here are the key verses in our text this morning in honor to a patriarch of, of the faith and someone that we adore deeply. I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I've kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day, and not to me only, but also to have loved his appearing. For so many people, it's easy this morning to look back on their past and have second thoughts, remember bad decisions, and even struggle with some regrets. Choices were made, things were done, words were spoken, friends were left, and many issues were unresolved. One has to wonder if it's possible to live a life that is so dedicated and consecrated to Christ that at the end of your ministry or the end of your stay, you can say or it can be said of you, I fought a good fight. This morning, Pastor Patricia Winningham has fought such a fight. And I'd like you to come and join me on the stage as we see some of the reflections of her life. We have a little tribute that we're going to start scrolling for you now of some wonderful things in your life. As they begin that, I just want to say today, um, I want to say, Pastor Pat, this isn't a day that I looked forward to. I'm, I'm sure it was a day that, that you looked forward to greatly. And I'm going to give you a little moment to share some things here in a second if you feel led, if, if you don't. But here are some of the things for Pastor Pat's journey that we've accumulated, places that she's been able to be, to be a light for Christ, places that are milestones and cornerstones for her. And if we can get that working as they're, as they're trying to show that, we're going we're gonna to show you some, some powerful things. And one of the last things that I hope we'll get to see, and you can, once you get it fixed, you can just do it even while I'm speaking. Um, there's a spot at the very end, and you won't be able to hear the audio, but they're going to, uh, they're going to show you a, a place where Pastor Pat's standing in a village in Africa, and you're going to see her little finger come up in the air, and she's making a declaration and she's yelling out, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. And they're yelling back at it. And the reason that she's making that declaration is just moments before she prayed for a person that had been blind almost from birth. And that person began to see. And um, powerful day, wasn't it, Pastor Pat? And yeah, <laughs> it was pretty powerful. And the only thing that she could proclaim in the microphone, the only thing that she could declare in the microphone at that point that you guys will get to see at the end of this powerful tribute is um, hallelujah, hallelujah. Pastor Pat, tell us a little bit about, about your ministry. Tell us a little bit about your fight. I fought the good fight. I finished the race. Henceforth is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. Just for a few minutes while they're scrolling these pictures of you. Well, I don't know. I guess I didn't think about it as a fight. <laughs> it was more of an adventure to me because I was so amazed that God wanted me to do anything or be a part of anything. I thought that was pretty amazing. Still do. And uh, so don't be amazed at what God wants you to do. But just... Over the years of opportunities being open and walking through doors that I never expected to walk through. And it's just, but the day that I got saved, I told the Lord, I don't know anything about this stuff, you know. 
And so um, I'll do the best I can. So that's, I tried to keep that promise to the Lord that I would do the best I could. And I, I think I've done the best I could. I don't know if it was the greatest or not. Who knows? God knows. But it's just um, so many wonderful people and kind people in my life and having opportunities, going to Israel, going to Africa, places I never, ever expected to go and never, ever expected to even be in ministry. I didn't, you know, I'm not one of those that say, oh, I was called at five years old and you know, I, I'm not one of those people, you know. Somebody said, you need to get your license. You know, Pastor Jim Hill said, you need to get your license. And I said, license for what? <laughs> for ministry. And I said, well, I'm not a minister. And he said, yes, you are. You need to get your license. You know, and so it all started and it just <laughs> kept on going. And so it's, it's, been, it's been a great life, a great life wouldn't trade it for anything, even the hard times, the good times, the bad times, more good than bad, way more good. And the good news, best is yet to come. Come on. Yeah, best is yet to come. So I'd like you again this morning, if you would, to stand, just stretch your hands out towards Pastor Pat. I just want to pray a prayer of blessing and honor for her. And we would like to invite every one of you that could this afternoon, starting at 5, five o'clock through 8 o'clock, you can just pop in. There is going to be things happening and video tributes and people speaking on her behalf throughout all of the, all of the afternoon. But we would like you just to come and just uh, to spend some time loving on her. There is going to be, there's the video of her yelling out, hallelujah, hallelujah. So I want to pray for her this morning and honor her. Father, we thank you and we praise you today for Pastor Pat. Lord, we thank you that there was a a moment in time that you picked a star out of heaven and you sent it to earth and you named it Pat Winningham. And Father, she's been a star to so many of us. Lord, she's given us inspiration She's spoken truth even when it hurt. Father, she even has spoken some correction that hurt worse. But some of us needed it. Lord, I thank you for her honesty. I thank you for her heart. I thank you for her humility. I thank you more than anything for her legacy. She truly is a vessel of honor for the kingdom of God. And we bless her in the days to come. We bless her, Lord, in the weeks and years to come. And Father, we thank you for her in your holy name. Amen. 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 Give her another hand this morning. Now back to our text in the Apostle Paul. As many of you have probably already figured out or just known in the chronological order of Scripture that Paul is nearing the end of his life. Pastor Pat's just retiring. She's not going anywhere other than that. Can I hear a big amen? She already is breaking one of my cardinal rules that I've spoken over her and prophetic. Obviously, I guess I'm a false in this application, but I've prophesied about every year that she was going to stay on staff for 20 more years. And that's been going on for 17, so I I still think she owes me three. Can I get an amen out there from anybody of you that would have... Yeah, she didn't amen that. I figured that would happen. (laughs) Paul's been arrested by the Roman emperor Nero, and he awaits his execution. As he's sitting in his jail cell, I'm sure that many... Many, many things are running through his mind. He thought of all the missionary journeys that he'd made, all the churches that he'd planted, the people that he led to the Lord, and all the friends, as well as a few enemies that he'd made along the way in his life. As he sat reflecting over his life, he picks up a pen and paper, and he writes the words of our text this morning to a letter to a young man in ministry about what Jesus and the gospel means to him. And he says this, I fought the good fight. 
I finished the race and I've kept the faith. Finally, there's laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day. And not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. You see, this morning, as Paul looked back over his life, since his conversion, he sees a life of fulfillment and contentment. It certainly wasn't an easy life, nor was it a life his friends and family thought that he would live. You have to remember, he was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He excelled above his peers and taught, he was taught by a famed teacher of the law. He was in the who's who of society, and perhaps everyone except him continued, believed that he would continue to climb the ladder of religious and political success. His life was destined to be one of ease and privilege until that day. That one special day that marks all of us, if you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, he was making his way along the Damascus Road and he encountered the resurrected Savior. And his life was radically changed forever and ever. The word says he was beaten five times. He was stoned once, shipwrecked three times, chased by robbers, harassed by Jews, and distrusted by Gentiles. And yet, as he writes, he expresses no words of second-guessing or remorse about the life and the sacrifice he gave for the cause of the gospel and living for Jesus. I want you to think about this this morning. Everyone look up here. Wouldn't it be great to be able to live a life where at the end you could know beyond a shadow of a doubt You fought a good fight. Wouldn't you like to go into your retirement like Pastor Pat with thoughts of a well-lived life instead of thoughts of what if and I wish I could, I should have. Sure, there are going to be mishaps and mistakes, missed opportunities, but there are things we can do to live a life without wondering and thinking, I wish I could have done that all over again. Or if I only had a second chance, I would choose this path instead of that path. As the Apostle Paul pins these words, he knew his days were numbered. If you knew, every, everyone look up here today. If you knew today, and I, I don't want to be morbid in this thought, but I want, I, want to, I want to spark your intellect and I want to challenge your faith today. If you knew that today was your last day to live, how would you live it? It wasn't your retirement, but today was it. Sometime between now and midnight, your soul and your eternal destiny was going to be called for. What would you do differently? What would you do differently for the next eight hours, nine hours? Most people would do everything they could to mend broken relationships. They would spend quality time with family and friends and witness to as many people possibly about Christ as they could, especially their lost loved ones. My question to you today is, if we're going to get to the end of our life and say, I fought a good fight, I finished the course, why would that defining question today, if we were to die today, would change the course of our life? Why aren't we living like that now? I want that to sink in. I don't want it to come across in in the form of guilt or condemnation, but I want you to think about it. If you would change anything about, and, and I understand all of us, myself included, I would call some loved ones. I would love on some friends. I, I understand all that. But if your life would dra- dramatically change on the behaviors and attitudes and circumstantial situations that you would do today, you would, you would absolutely do an about face. Why are we not living like that now, today, and waiting for some change that we hope to come later? That's where regret comes from. That's where remorse comes from. That's where the wish it could have should have come from is because too many people, everyone hear this today. Again, this isn't condemnation, this is truth. Too many people are living their life like they're going to get someplace with Jesus later down the road. Today is the day you need to get where you need to be with Christ. Paul lived a life where he wanted it to be represented as a living sacrifice. Everybody say living sacrifice. A living sacrifice unto Jesus. He said, I fought a good fight. I finished the race. I've kept the faith. He was able to face death without enduring the thoughts of things left undone. He didn't lament over wasted time and missed opportunities. He looked destiny eyeball to eyeball. And he said this, I fought the fight. And I finished my race. 
Here's a key question. Everyone get this key question. It's not going to come up for you, but I want to give it to you. How do we live a life that says, I fought a good fight? How do we live a life that at the end of it, we can say, you teenagers listen to this this morning, that at the end of your life, right now you've got all of your dreams, all of your desires. Many of you may know exactly what you're going to do and exactly what you're going to become. And some of you are like, I still don't have a clue. And that's okay. God will fix that for you. But I want to share something with you. If you don't change the things you need to change today, when you get to where I'm at or where some of these people are later down the road, you're going to have more I wish it could have, should have, would have than I sure am glad I fought the fought and I've won the race. And I want to speak over you. Make the disciplines and the changes now in your life so that when you get where we're at in our life, you can look back and you can know in your heart of hearts that God has said, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Well done. I'll give you two thoughts today. They're closely related, but they do have two different definitions. Here's the first thing I want to leave with you. If you're going to finish your life and be able to say, I fought a good fight, you need to know how to prioritize. Everybody say prioritize. You need to know how to prioritize. A priority, listen to this, a priority is something that takes immediate precedence in your life. That's what a priority is. A priority is something that has immediate precedence in your life. It's those things that we place as higher significant than other things. Matter of fact, here's the definition of priority. Here's the definition. The fact or condition of being regarded or treated as more important to an individual. This morning, in order to live a life with appropriate priorities, we need to know what we're living for. Can I hear an amen? Do you know what's going on in the world right now? Many of you think you have an idea, and for a long time I did too. We've all had speculation as to how things turned so swiftly and so quickly. How did the enemy take over government like it has? And this isn't a political message. This is a message of honor, but I want to share something with you. When an entire nation loses its true priorities, you cannot expect for the enemy not to prosper instead of God. Pastor Jim, how are we going to fix it? I want to share something with you. We can, we can protest, we can send letters, we can complain and we can gripe, but until the priorities of our own life cha- change to match the priorities of this word, all they are is empty words. It starts here with me. It starts here with you. My life needs to represent what this life says I should live. I needed a bigger Amen. In order to live a life with priority, appropriate priorities, we need to know what to live for. How many know the world has it all wrong? How many has known for a long time the world has it all wrong? The world says, you only live once, so go ahead and grab all the gusto you can. Party hard, live loose, wild and free, because when you die, that's it, that's all you get, and there's nothing after that. How many know this philosophy teaches that immediate satisfaction and gratification are the only things to live for? It teaches, this is the world's message, it teaches that the highest purpose in life is to be happy and live life for you and you alone. Get all you can. But the Bible paints a very different picture of that. In fact, we are warned not to love this world nor the things in this world. Can I hear an amen? 1 John 3, 16, verse 19 says this, by this we know love. How many would love to know true love? It's right here. By this we know love, because he laid down his life for, and we also ought to lay down our lives for. So this is what the word of God is saying. First of all, we need to follow Christ's example as he laid his life down for us. We also need to lay our life down for him and for the brethren. Can I hear an amen? If you want to walk in love and you want to have love, start laying your life down instead of protecting what you think is yours. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? My little children, I love this, love this. My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And by this we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. To live a life this morning of no regrets, we have to learn what's important in life. What are my priorities? I want everybody to look up here. What, not what, what are yours? What is your family's? What is your marriage? But what's my priorities? What's number one to me? What's at the top of the rung? If you, if you open Jim Boyd up, 
like an onion and started peeling away all the layers, what's the core of who he is? What's the core of who you are? To live a life of no regrets, we must learn what is important. We have to learn to trade, listen to this, we have to learn to trade moments of man's achievements for moments in God's presence. You see, there's a place in God where all these worldly goods lose their luster. Paul lived with no regrets because he kept eternity in view. He wasn't preoccupied with the temporary life and earthly things. This is why he was able to say that he had learned to be content in whatever state he was in. Listen, listen. he knew what it was to be destitute and he knew what it was to have money and be famous. These things really didn't matter to him because his priority was to live his life in such a way that Christ got all the glory for everything. That was his priority. Christ, may you get all the glory in everything from my life. Paul fought the good fight and he kept the faith because he refused to be sucked into the world's philosophies and embraced the wrong priorities. God was the priority in his life. Listen, listen. God was the priority in his life. Notice I said the priority and not a priority. Here comes the challenge. The challenge in the church today and the challenge with Christians today is God is part of a priority of their life instead of being the whole priority of their life. So so I want to give you this. If you took your life and you cut it up in a pie and you put all the different pieces of your life as a pie, how, many, how big of a piece would God be? Would, would, would he be this? Would he be this? And I just want you to think about it personally. In your life right now, of what is the priorities of your life, how big of a piece is Jesus in your life? And then here comes my challenge or my admonition. If he's not the whole pie, you need to change some pieces. Here's a a key question. What are you pursuing or prioritizing in your life right now? What are you pursuing? What are you pursuing? How How many of you know, how many of you would like to know what the Bible says you should be pursuing? Three people. Good, that's all I needed. I only needed three. What are you pursuing or prioritizing in your life right now? This is what the Bible says. And again, it was a letter written to Paul by Paul to his assistant pastor, Timothy. And he did this in 1 Timothy 6, 11 through 12. This is what he said about what you pursue and prioritize in your life. He said, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience. Everybody say that last one with me. That's not the last one. What's the last one? There you go. Let's say them all out. What we're supposed to be pursuing. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and how many of you know that's nothing in society today? They're pursuing the wrong, they're prioritizing the wrong. There's not righteousness. We've, we've, we've even lost righteousness in the church. People would just as soon come and have political debates in church than come and hear the word and the gospel of Jesus Christ. We've definitely lost godliness, faith, love, patience. <laughs> Let's stop at patience. You guys liked that one a minute ago. And gentleness. We're living in a more divided state in the world than we've ever lived in before. And it's by cause. Jesus said it so eloquently in Matthew 6.33 when he said this, and this is what we're surprised supposed to prioritize. He said this, but keep first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. I've heard many people say, pastor, I wish I could live my life over because I would serve the Lord all the days of my life. There would be no wishy-washiness. If I'd only known then what I know now, I'd be on fire for God every day of my life. There are people sitting here this morning that's been in my office in the last year that have said that exact quote. Pastor Jim, if I had it to do all over again, if I could go back and make some changes, I would be as on fire for God as I ever was before. I don't know how I got diverted. I don't know how I got shifted. I don't know how things got changed. I don't know how I got, I got blinded to certain circumstances and my priorities 
got askew. Let me ask you, what are, what are you living for? Today, what are you living for? Are you living for a house? Are you living for a wedding? Are you living for a spouse? Are you living for a new job? Are you living for a raise? Are you living for a 401k? I don't know if I'd, never mind. How many of you know those are pieces to the pie, and if you put Jesus the whole pie, he takes care of all the pieces? That's the other part of the equation. That when Jesus becomes the whole pie, the pieces that you've made of the pie end up not being as important and prioritizing to you because he's the number one priority to you and he fixes all the rest of the pieces. Let me ask you, what, what are you living for? What is the priority of your life? Is God in his rightful place? Pastor Jimmy opened with something that I thought was phenomenal. It's neat how God just puts a tapestry to to a service. In the Old Testament, whenever the children of Israel would set up camp. So how many of you know for 40 years the children of Israel wandered around the wilderness? How many of you know that story? Just shake your hand at me or wave at me or not or whatever. So they, they would go from one place to another place to another place, but every time they went from one place to another place, the the Lord would tell them where to go. How many remember that was the word? The Lord would tell them. And the reason why he would tell them is he was protecting them from being raided and being violated before they got to the promise. So even before they got to his ultimate promise, God was still protecting them in the priority of that promise that had been promised to come. Some of you will get that later. I know it's Sunday morning and you're tired. But the first thing that they would do before they did anything, they would come into a valley or they would come into a spot and Moses and Joshua would stand in the middle and they would start having the builders erect what? Say it real loud. God's house first. 40 years. That's why it was so important to David and Solomon, his son, to have the tabernacle back in its rightful spot. That's why there was such rejoicing. That's why the glory cloud came and rested on the tabernacle because God would come down and and then what would happen? So they would build the tabernacle and in their tribes as pieces of the pie, 12 tribes in a circle, they would all set their tent. So when they opened their tent, what did they face? God's house. How many of you know that it occupied the center of their lives, but more importantly, it occupied the center of their community. Is God the center of your life, or does he have to compete with all the other things biting for your time? To live a life of no regrets, God must be the priority of everything you do. And here's the last thing this morning, and then we're going to pray. Know what to value. If you're going to come to the end of your life and say, I've fought a good fight. You've got to know what to prioritize. And you've got to know what to value. Pastor Jim, aren't those those the same thing? They're not the same thing. They're closely related, but they actually are different concepts and different ideals. Know what to value. Everybody say God, family, work, and hobbies. How many know God's not really that tough? He's not that tough to figure out. In your, in your word, this is what he says is what you're to value. First and foremost, because he's a jealous God, you need to value God above all things. Above all things. You value God, then you value family. Everybody say family. Then you value work. And then you value your hobbies. How many realize the problem with a lot of things that happen in people's lives, why they don't prioritize God, is because they've lost a value with God, and God no longer has the number one place a hobby does or work does. Anybody in here ever ever known a workaholic? You know what I'm talking about. A workaholic. Anybody in here ever known somebody that's so consumed by a hobby that, I mean, it's on every hat they have, it's on every t-shirt they have, Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's their whole, their whole what? It's their whole life. And somehow they're proud of that. And you're like, Pastor Jim, well, are are we supposed to have values? Not to the point where it takes number one out of number one spot. That's where regret comes in. 
That's where shame comes in. That's where condemnation comes in. Is because we've gotten our values out of order. Jesus said that a person's life does not consist in the abundance of things they possess. Now, I want everybody to listen to this. It needs to be noticed. Jesus wasn't against us having things. Give me an amen. Jesus isn't against us having things. He was against things having us. That's a big truth. He's not against your joy. He's not against the priorities and the values of your life, the things that you value most, you having joy in. What he's against is those things consuming you to the point it consumes and takes away from from him. Here's the definition of value. Listen to this. I'm going to give you two parts. The definition of value. The regard that something is held to deserve. The importance, worth, or usefulness of something. Here's the second definition. A person's principles or standards of behavior, one's judgment of what is important in life. So how you behave, what comes out of your life, how you live, is a representation in value to what you prioritize. So value highlights priorities. A good practice to have is asking yourself, everyone, everyone, here's a good practice. Will this really matter 10 years from now? I want everybody to listen to that. Here's a key question. Whatever you're dealing with right now this morning, whatever's going on in your life, whatever you're trying to buy, whatever you're going after, whatever is the priority or value to you, 10 years from today, will that matter? I want you to think about it. I want you to think about it. If we would challenge ourselves with a- asking that question of the things that consume us, I think a lot of the things that consume us would grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. If the truth is told, we very seldom think about our values until we have a crisis. Anybody know what I'm talking about? We Our values are the things that we really care about and our behaviors and attitudes toward them. We rarely think about what we value, what we really hold is dear until we're in the middle of a crisis. Anybody had a crisis? Five or six of you? At least, at least. Anybody in here have a crisis? I don't want to exonerate it. I just want you to be honest about it. Anybody had a crisis in your life? You know what I'm talking about. Your mind's going to it right now. My wife and I, as I told you, we had a wonderful time together this week and we were talking and I don't know if we were in the car or if it was in the trailer. I don't remember the exact spot. But there was a, there was a time after I fell, big crisis in our lives. I'm not going to dwell on that a lot. But after I fell from the heights that I fell and broke myself all up, I was, I was in this... How many know that hospital beds are, are not built for 6'2"? 200 and something people there you can guess how's that so I'm laying in this bed and pretty much it's all me and no bed and I'm playing with the button to try to find some relief where the compression fractures are in my back and my the bones in my tailbone aren't throbbing and causing me to be crazy and and I kept waking my wife up and some of it may have been the Percocet too because it was kind of cool. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Don't judge me. Don't judge me. I won't be judged by you all. But I started, at one point, I couldn't find a comfortable position and I just started to pray. And then pretty soon I started to pray in the Spirit. Sometimes when you don't know what to pray in your own. Anybody with me today? And... At some point, I had awakened my wife. And this is when values come into play. This is, when, this is when things come to the top that really matter. I'm sitting in the bed, and all of a sudden, I feel the covers furrow and flip a little bit. And in that tiny little hospital bed, my wife crawls under the covers with me and just wraps me up. She puts her head on my chest and she starts praying for me. 
And she prays for me for the pain to go for her for a little bit. She honestly didn't pray. I wish she'd have prayed longer in that particular area, but she didn't stay there very long. Then she started praying and thanking God I was still here. Because the value of things, everybody understand what I'm saying? We're going to get through this, but at least I still, anybody with me? When things are going great, we don't think of the tough questions of life and what we need to do to discipline ourselves now for break for a breakthrough or a blessing later. How many of you this morning want a breakthrough and a blessing in your life? Not a trick question. How many want a breakthrough and a blessing in your life? How many of you know most of the time a breakthrough and a blessing comes in your life when you position and discipline yourself for the breakthrough and the blessing? You can't blame God for why you didn't get what you desired when you didn't position yourself to be holy for the desired thing. The first step toward building lasting values is asking this. What do I need to change? It's up here on the up here. What do I need to change in quotation marks or discipline myself towards now that will affect my tomorrow? So during your quiet time each day, you need to ask God to help you align your life with his purpose and values. What really matters and what really will last? In 1 Corinthians 13, 13, it tells us what will last forever. Here's what the word says will last forever. How many of you know finances will come and go? Houses and stuff will rust and decay. How many know the Bible says that? But the word says three things will last forever. Faith, hope. How many of you know we cannot allow the things of this world to steal the three things that last forever in our life? Can I hear an amen? If you have love in your life, And you can never be considered a person without priorities and values because love never fails. What did Paul value? Paul said, I finished the race and I've kept the faith. There have been way too many people. Hear this last closing thought and then we're going to pray. And if you've been one of them in this room, I really want you to hear this. Those of you that are watching, I want you to hear this today. There have been way too many people that have started out strong on their journey of faith with God only to drop out along the way because they didn't value their salvation and their eternal destiny and security. We all know people who started strong in their dedication and devotion as a Christian for the cause of Christ only to turn away or fall away from God at some point because it got too hard or God stopped fulfilling things for them and he didn't do something for them when they wanted him to do it. I wanted you to do it, God, and because you didn't, I won't serve you ever again. Or they just plain and simply got bored with being a Christian and they wanted to go see what the world offered. How many in there was part of the last statement at some point and you found out that being a Christian wasn't as boring as you thought it was? That you tasted enough of the apple, metaphorically. You tasted enough of the sin. You tasted enough of the world. You tasted enough of the junk. You did enough of the stuff that you wish you wouldn't have done after you did it, only to come to light one day and say... How many know powerful men and women of God who even once stood behind podiums like this that taught children's church or Sunday school have developed attitudes and offenses that have caused them to turn their back on the church and God forever? Hear my heart this morning. God knew the value of a faithful life and he knew that he wanted to face the future with no regrets. If we want to face the future with no regrets, we have to remain faithful to the end. Pastor Pat, I don't know. I I hope in my heart that you have 20 years left on this planet. And I know your family agrees with me. Give me a big amen, family. But I want to say this from the bottom of my heart in honor to you today. And the little bit of honor I can give when there's so much more you do deserve. But I thank you. I thank you that ministry has never been a conflict for you. It's never been a burden. 
So many times I've listened to pastors talk about the ministry in such a way, and I'm like, if you hated it that much, why didn't you just quit and do us all a favor? Can I, anybody ever heard of one of those people? If it's that hard on you, why don't you just give up and do God and all of us a favor? Because you're not doing the kingdom any good by telling us how miserable and pathetic and awful it is to be a servant of the Most High God. I needed an amen. And Pastor Pat, through it all, through it all, I've watched you. I've watched you stand strong. I've watched you stand with those priorities that I read out of Scripture and godliness and patience and gentleness. I watched you when the doctor walked in to your amazing husband Gene's room and say, there's not anything else we can do and you need to make the decision. I watched you make a decision for your husband to honor him because he wouldn't have wanted to live in the state that he was at. And you told the doctor this, I was in the corner. He said, I need you to leave for a minute. And you you opened your phone. And I don't know if you remember, but you started playing the song, Do It Again, Lord. Do it again. I've got it on video if you ever want it. Because in the corner, I, I put my, pulled my phone out real private. And I watched the priorities and the values of your life stand strong. That even in one of the hardest, most intense catastrophes of your life, you were never going to fail and you were never going to give up. And for that this morning, I've dedicated this message to you. Thank you for fighting a good fight. Stand with me this morning. We've got to learn to prioritize and know what to value. To summarize my thoughts today in this message, honestly, what really matters most in all of our lives is this question or statement. Am I living in such a way that no matter what happens to me, I can say, I have fought a good fight? Bow your heads. Close your eyes. just a few moments just a few moments I want to I want to ask everyone in this room I want to ask everyone in this room what is the priorities and the values of your life not, not in the form of condemnation or guilt or fire and brimstone that wasn't my heart today and so I, I delivered this specifically for a specific reason. All of, us, all of us in here should know that we've fallen short of the glory of God. The Word says that in Romans. We've all, we've all fallen short. But it also says, where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. And today, I, I honestly don't know where all of you are at. But I do know today is a day for reflection. A day where we reprioritize. Maybe we, maybe we analyze some pieces of the pie of our life that has more of a priority than our spiritual walk and our salvation and our covenant and our commitment and our faithfulness to God. Maybe there are things that are happening in this world that are shaking the values of our life. I don't even know if God really exists. I'm just going to do what I'm going to do. I I still want a form of God, so I'm going to come to church once in a while, but but, I want to tell you that 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 ideal, those thoughts, will affect the values of your future, of your children and your children's children, to the third and fourth generation. Today, some of you need to rearrange your values. Some of you need to just repent and say, Lord, Lord, I've gotten my priorities out of whack. I've gotten my values out of whack. And I, I want to put you back in the rightful spot in my life again. This morning, if that's you, if that's you, that's, that's all I'm going to do this morning. I, I'm, not, 
I'm not just talking about a salvation thing. I'm talking about a holistic thing for all of us this morning. If you're here and you would say, I need to put God back in a different spot than where I know in my own heart with my own convictions after this message today, he's been. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand all across this room right now. All across this room right now. All across this room right now. Come on, be bold. Come on. If Jesus can hide on the cross, you can say, hey, I I need to reprioritize. I need to revalue some things in my life for him. If someone's standing next to you with their hand raised, I just want you to put your arm around them if it's appropriate or put your hand on their shoulder if you don't know them. The word says, if we agree, if we agree together, it shall be done. And I, I, I want everybody not just to do a repetitional prayer with me. That's not the cause of why I do this. But the cause of me doing the repetitional prayer a lot is for all of us to connect with the values and priorities of God. So I want all of us to make that connection today. And I want us to say this prayer. Dear Jesus, I ask you this morning to reclaim my life. All of the things that have caused me to be distracted, to be offended, to be wayward, to be wishy-washy, to not prioritize, to not value what I know to be true, I ask today for you to forgive me. I believe that you, Jesus, are the way, the truth, and the life. And I ask you today to lead me and to guide me every day from this moment forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, I thank you and I praise you this morning for this amazing congregation. Lord, I thank you that everyone that's stated that and made that prayer today, Lord, I pray right now that you will reach down and that you will bless us Lord, may this not just have been an emotional moment in church that we said something because we knew we were supposed to say it because our feelings were about it. Lord, may it truly be an absolution in our life like Paul said in that prison cell just a few weeks, a few days before he went to his eternal destiny. I fought a good fight. I kept the faith. And I finished my race. Lord, bless all of us to stand true to that. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. God bless you. Give someone a high five and say, God is good. Thank you for joining us. A special thank you to those of you that give generously to this ministry. It is because of you that this ministry is possible. You can click the link in the description to give now or visit refugecity.church for more information on how you can become a part of that team. If you've enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, you can share it with your friends, you can take a screenshot and share it on your social stories, and make sure to tag us at Refuge City Church. Thanks for listening.